0: Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. What a beautiful day to be in church. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our Grove Town Campus and all those watching online. Today's Mother's Day and we're here to celebrate families uh, across our campuses and, and celebrate and encourage you. But you know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the young mom that had three notorious little uh, kids and somebody came up to her and says, you know, if you had it to do all over again, would you have children? And she said, well, definitely not the same ones. (laughs) I'll tell you, all of us feel like that at times. Uh, Today we're continuing our series called Life's Biggest Questions. And oftentimes when we find out a, uh, a young mom is pregnant and she's about to give birth, we say, well, what does the baby need? And we go and try to find that perfect baby gift. This past week, I was looking at Good Housekeeping uh, magazine, like I always study that. But, um, and they listed out the top 10 things that a baby needs. Number one, if you're wondering, uh, they need fleece uh, booties, you know, because these are guaranteed not to come off their feet. Okay, uh, in fact, that was so popular that even the New York Magazine did a story on those. I mean, come on! Um, and the second thing that every baby needs is a Gerber side snap shirt. The third thing is a personalized lovey. But what I noticed on the list is they didn't have something that I feel like every nursery needs. Every nursery needs one of these: a suitcase. And you need to put that suitcase right in that nursery so that when you go in, you're reminded that every day you're packing those bags. And one day, you're going to pack the bags for the last time, and they are going to leave. And so this is just a reminder that time is precious. The time is precious, and that suitcase reminds us of that In Psalm chapter 90, Moses writes these words. He said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. You know, life goes so much faster than you can even imagine. Some of you this week says, man, I cannot believe this week's already passed and we're about to start a new week that's how it is. The busier you are, the faster it seems like life goes. And if you're up to your elbows and, and diaper changes and raising little toddlers, I'm telling you, your life is like warp speed. It is passing quickly. But let me say this, there's going to come a day when this season of your life with these young children will change. And we've got to make the most of, of every opportunity. Because it's going to change. For instance, let's imagine this. These are uh, two vases filled with marbles. On this vase right here, this vase has 1,000 marbles in it. Now, let's imagine that every one of these marbles represents one week. So when that baby is born and you hold that baby in its arms and you see all the babies that are dedicated today, that it's like that that mom, that dad is given this base of 1,000 marbles. Each of these marbles represent one week. Do you know that by the time that child goes to ninth grade, it looks like this, ninth grade. And some of you have eighth graders right now, and in uh, three months, in August, they'll be in the ninth grade, and here's what it's going to look like. It's going to be I'm talking about it's gonna go fast. They're gonna spend, they're gonna go in the ninth grade with 200 marbles. 10 weeks in, they're just learning their combination to their locker. 10 weeks in, they're just trying to find their tribe. By 20 weeks, they finish the first semester and they go into, uh, into the semester exams and they're gonna find out their GPA. And that GPA is probably gonna determine what college they're gonna to go to or not go to. So we think about that. They go on through, and um, at 50 weeks, you're going to take that child to the DMV, and they're going to get their learner's permit. At, at 75 weeks, they're going to get their first job, and it's not going to save you one dime. In fact, it's probably going to cost you money. But you're just glad they're they're working. You know, at a a, a hundred a hundred weeks, they're going to start their junior year. Some of them will start to have facial hair, and and you'll say, who in the world are you? This is when they start dating in a car alone, and you figure out how strong your prayer life really is. (laughs) At 130 weeks, they're going to take this SAT, and then they're probably going to take it again, and maybe even a third time or a fourth time. But then it comes to the point where they put on that cap and gown. And we're going to be uh, honoring graduates in two weeks. So if you haven't had signed your graduate up for that service, please do so. But you're going to see them put on that cap and gown, and they're going to walk across that stage, and you're going to lose all your marbles. <laughs> Today's Mother's Day and Moms Matter. But, and we're here just to encourage you, And to inspire you uh, to be the best mom, to be the best parent ever. This is the big idea for today's talk. The big idea is this. As a parent, God has uniquely positioned you to be the most influential person in your child's life. As a parent, God has uniquely positioned you to be the most influential person in in your child's life. If you're a dad, if you're a mom, if you're a grandmother, if you're a, a, a granddad, or a great-grandma, or a great-granddad, you had this unique opportunity to be an influence on these children. So what does a kid need most? When I think about that, I would quickly rattle off several things. Oh, a kid needs a vibrant faith, and, and they need a stable home, and, and they need a strong work ethic, and they need an opportunity to make a difference. I could give you a list of things. But the question I ask, what does the child or the kid need most? What do they need most? Well, honestly, what they need most is for you to love them. They need love. And we hear that, but what does it really mean? We open the pages of the Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we start to read the verses of Scripture about love. And it says, Love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil. But love rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres because love never, never fails. So what do kids need most? Kids need for you to love them. Over the next few minutes, I want to just look at verse number 7 and take a a deeper dive into just this one verse because I really believe that the principles in this one verse speaks to all of us as parents, maybe as partners, as spouses, as friends, as church members because we're called to be people who love. In fact, there's four things in this one verse that every kid needs. Needs to love. First of all, Kids need you to build them up when others tear them down. The verse says love always protects. The word protects in the original language of the Bible means to cover with a roof. It implies that that love is like a roof that covers and protects you. It It becomes like a shelter in the storm. We all go through storms, and love becomes that shelter that protects us If you're going to love somebody, you're going to protect them. If you're going to love somebody, if you're going to love your child, if you're going to love your spouse, if you're going to love your friend, you will provide protection for that person. How do you do that? I think you do everything you can to to minimize their hurt, uh, uh, to minimize their mistakes, to overlook their faults. In Proverbs chapter 10, it says, Hatred stirs up conflict. But notice this, love covers, I said love is like a covering, love love covers all wrongs. Love washes out for people. If you're going to grow in a relationship, you've got to learn how to protect that person that you're in that relationship with. You've got to learn how to protect them. Because love has that ability to do that. None of us are perfect, and, and nobody's claiming to be perfect here. And so, in, with that in mind, we have to acknowledge that none of us are perfect. All of us have flaws. All of us have made mistakes along the way. But what i discover in genuine, sincere love, love covers that. In fact, 1 Peter says this, love covers a multitude of sins, covers a multitude of mistakes. When we think about that covering of love, I think there's some practical applications to that. There's two things specifically. Love doesn't nitpick. You know, sometimes we have this tendency to just to nitpick, to, to highlight the negative thing. Love doesn't do that. Also, love doesn't criticize in public. So you're in public as your parents, uh, with your children, or maybe you're with your spouse. Don't criticize them. That's not for the public um, to deal with, but you deal with that one-on-one and you work through that. We've got to protect one another. This is the words of Psalm chapter 91. It says, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. And so uh, that gives us an example. We, as people who are committed to loving each other, we're committed to protect one another. Love always protects. Secondly, it always trusts. Kids need you to trust them. Kids need you to give them the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt. Love, always trust. One of the ways that you trust people is that you give them a second chance when they make mistakes. all of us make mistakes. And so we just give them that second chance. You know, so many times we get into a place where we say, well, they've got, you've got to earn my trust back. And we want people to earn trust. Yeah, that, that works just a little bit. But what if you went into that relationship and said, I'm going to, you blew it, but I'm going to give you trust, I'm going to give it to you. You did, sure didn't earn it or deserve it, but I'm going to give you trust. I'm going to trust you. You know, so oftentimes, that's what a football coach does. When a football uh, sees one of his players fumble the ball, oftentimes, he'll put that player back out on the field, immediately give him the ball again. Because he didn't want that player to develop this phobia that the next time he gets the ball, he's going to drop the ball. All of us drop the ball at times, and I just want to encourage you. To be that individual that offers and believes and gives second chances, it will mean all the uh, make all the difference. Um, and you say, "Well, Marty said I'm in a, this place where I just they broke all trust and I just can't trust them anymore." There are times when we get to that place. What do you do in that case? When you can't trust them, you trust the Lord. You put your this situation in the hands of the Lord say, God, I am trusting you. You love this person more than I love this person. And I am trusting you to work out the details. And you have to do that oftentimes when relationships have been broken. Because we wanna come and to do whatever we can to restore because you see, love trust. The third thing it says, love always protects, it always trusts, always hopes. Here's the third thing your kids need kids need you to give them a vision of who they can become instead of a picture of who they are now. Always be pointing them uh, to a, a future. You're always hoping the best. You see, love is forward thinking. It's optimistic. Love's not stuck in the past but always looking uh, hopeful and and moving forward. And and when you love somebody, you're speaking life into that person. You're raising up the value, and you're, you're speaking hope into them, said, yes, you can do this. You see, love doesn't tell it like it is. Love tells it like it could be. So people who love are people of vision. We give people vision. You start to set your children up for what they can accomplish, and this is so important because oftentimes our, our kids are going through seasons, or going through middle school, um, those seasons where they never hear positive affirmation from their peers, and so they need so much more affirmation from parents and grandparents and and coaches and small group leaders. We need to build them up. The world works, very, uh, not, works nonstop trying to tear people down, but we're people who, who hope. We, we are forward thinking. We have a vision that, yes, life can be better uh, in the days ahead than they have been in the past. And so we start to treat people like who we see them becoming. We treat people like we want them to become. Here's the fourth thing. It says, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Here's the point. Kids need you to believe in them and to keep showing up. To keep showing up. Love never gives up. Love perseveres. What I see in this is love when you love somebody you're giving them staying power it gives them the ability to keep on pressing on and keep on keeping on that you're not going to uh, give up on them that you're when you love them you're saying i am refusing to quit i am making a commitment to you you see love continues showing up and you show love to that uh, person, whether you're a parent or grandparent or, or uh, maybe you're a friend or a small group leader, you show love by showing up. Your physical presence here means something to them. You show up. You show up for special occasions. You show up for school functions. You show up for, for weddings, and you show up for funerals. That's what love does. Love shows up. I'll never forget uh, this time last year, my mother passed, and, and we were in this auditorium, and people were coming in, and I looked, and I saw a cousin of mine that I hadn't seen in a long time, a really long time. He's uh, a little bit younger than I am. And I, I said, Jimmy, I cannot believe you're here, that you came all the way. He looked at me and he said, he said, Marty, that's what families do. Families show up. And I'm telling you, it spoke to me that he showed up. You communicate love to others when you show up for them. I'll never forget when I was just starting off in the ministry. I would go anywhere and everywhere to speak. Any little church who would invite me, I would, I would go there and I never got to preach in churches like Stevens Creek, not at all. The, uh, my, uh, the churches that I started off preaching, they were just small churches, often mountain churches, under-resourced communities and struggling. And I was going through a season where uh, I'd been away from home for quite a while, several weeks. And I was at this small church. It was so poor that the pastor and his wife had to fry chicken dinners on Thursday, and they sold chicken dinners just so they'd have enough money to keep the church open on the weekend. They invited the young guy in to have a youth revival so I could bring revival to the church. I'm telling you, by the end of that week, I needed a revival. I'm the one, and I was just so discouraged because I was carrying the weight of just how they're living, and I was lonely and I was uh, feeling the financial pressure because I knew I was getting married in uh, a few months. And, and so by the time Sunday morning rolled around, I am really down and I've got to preach. And during this service, I looked up and I see my mom and my dad walk through uh, the doors of that mountain church. They had driven three hours to be there. And just their physical presence there encouraged me. They showed up. They demonstrated their love by just showing up. We often underestimate that power. We're always looking for the right words. Sometimes you don't need any words. Just show up. Just your presence. I call it the ministry of presence. Just being there for that special day, being there for that holiday, that birthday, that ball game, that shows you that shows that person that you simply care about them. God showed up for you. Did you know that? God showed up for you by sending Jesus to this earth. In fact, that's the message of John chapter three and verse 16. Some of you have memorized this through the years. For God so loved the world that he gave, he showed up, he gave his one and only son, that is Jesus, That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We look at that verse. We quote that verse. But let's for a moment pause. And let's take out the word world. For God so loved the, and then have a blank right there. And in that blank, I want you in your mind to write down your name. Yes, your name. For God so loved, blank, write your name. For God so loved you that he gave. For God so loved you. God loves you and God has a plan for your life. God showed up for you and he'll continue to do that. Today's Mother's Day and we're celebrating. It's a big family day and today many of you will go out and eat at restaurants and you'll wait in long lines to do that. Some of you will have backyard Uh, barbecues and so forth. It's a family day. You're going to post pictures on Facebook and you're going to scroll the posts on Facebook tonight and Instagram and you're going to see a picture after picture of moms and their children. It's a day of celebration, but let me say this. It's not a day of celebration for everybody. There are some folks that have gone through a loss or a breakup or an illness, or a depression, or people that don't have any children. They would love to have kids, but they don't have kids. Or there are some people that are longing for a relationship, and they don't have that relationship. Or they're just sad for They can't even put their finger on it. They're just sad today. And this becomes one of the most difficult times of the year. In fact, you may be home right now watching this service because you just couldn't bear the thought of walking into Stevens Creek Church today because it was just bringing up too many memories that you just didn't want to go there. I appreciate you having the courage to tune in today. It's a tough day. I'll never forget the spring of 1986 We were coming up on Mother's Day. We were five months. It was five months after our first son died of a heart attack. And so I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this for Patty. Coming up on Mother's Day when she wants to be dedicating her baby on Mother's Day and her baby's not our baby was not there. And I was feeling this, and we were broke. You know, we were in over our head with student loan debt and medical bills and all of that. But I wanted Patty to have a new dress. I just wanted her to have a new dress. I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't tell her about it. I didn't tell anybody. I told the Lord about it. I just started praying, God, would you give my wife a new dress for mother's day i think it was the wednesday before mother's day uh, there was a box that was dropped off at our house we lived in montclair the box didn't have any name on it and did not have a card or anything else but she opened that box and there was a red dress in that box and it was her size It came from the old store. Some of you have been around Augusta a while. You'll know this. You'll remember J.B. White's. It came from J.B. White's. You know, it was more than a dress to me. It was more than a dress. It was was an answer prayer. That in one of the lowest points of our lives, that God in His kindness answered a prayer. And maybe you're here today, and the reason that God has ordered your footsteps to be in this auditorium in our South Campus, in our Grovetown Campus, watching on a device somewhere, the, the reason is for this moment, for this reminder that we serve a God that answers prayer. That's what you need to hear today. That God answers prayer. And that you need to be reminded that God loves you. And he really does have a plan for your life. Over the next few minutes, I want to pray for you. And I just want to pray that that God touches you right where you are Maybe you're at a place of great celebration or maybe you're not. But in this moment that you sense His presence where the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon you, that when you leave this experience that you'll leave with that confidence and you'll leave with his love, that you'll leave with the the, uh, the confidence knowing that I can get through this because I am not going through this alone, but God is with me. So what is it that you need? What is it that you need the Lord to do? How about those of you in Grovetown? What is it that God uh, you need for God to do? How about those in South campus, what is it that you need the Lord to do? I want you to think about that as we bow our heads, and I'm going to just pray a blessing over you, and I'm going to ask God to hear, to answer your prayers. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so thankful that we're in church today, and we can sense your presence. And Lord, families have gathered from all over this region to mark this cultural holiday, but also to open up the Bible and to hear a message from 1 Corinthians 13. I pray, God, that you would allow your love to cover people in our church, that, God, you would give us hope and you would give us perseverance and that you would help us to trust and that you would protect us. God, I pray for divine protections over the protection over the families uh, represented here. God, I ask that you would push back the darkness. God, I ask that you would build literal hedges of protection around families. I pray, Father, that you would give us strength when we're weak, that you would give us healing when we're sick. I pray, God, that you would answer the prayers that we are offering up today. So come now. Breathe on us. Come now. Touch us. God, we receive what you have for us. Say that. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.